Hello, listeners, and welcome to the lockdown series of the British Academy of Jewelry podcast. I am Sophie Boons, and today I have invited another guest for a remote discussion. With most retail venues still closed and limited changes to our lives in lockdown, it is hard to keep motivated, organized, and above all, stay positive. The challenges faced by many of us are similar, and some are very specific and diverse. Whether you are a retailer with a closed shop, an employee on furlough, or a jury graduate looking for a job, the current situation can feel very overwhelming. To discuss some coping strategies, I have invited Sally Leonard, a jeweler turned business consultant for Senta Business Services and coach. Welcome, Sally. Hi. Sally, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hi. Yeah, I am a jeweler. I've been a jeweler and in the trade for 20 years coming up. It's a big anniversary for me. I run my own ethical jewellery company. I also run Pendalock Consulting, which is creative business consultancy. And through that, I work with um, a number of jewellery businesses. I also work with Centre, who are a business support agency based in London. And that's where I do the majority of my work for Hatton Garden. Um, we run something called the Garden Club, which is www.the-garden.club. And that is free business support and advice for anybody who is based in or using suppliers based in Hatton Garden. So, yeah, I do a lot of stuff. You are obviously very active in the industry and as a jeweler turned business consultant and a mentor for a range of professional development programs, what made you decide to join the industry and the mentorship that you provide within the industry? Sure. Well, I've always been a magpie ever since I was really, really tiny. So jewelry was my inevitable fate. I went through St. Martin's, went to college, came out of college thinking, you know, I was going to be the next bee's knees, realized that I didn't actually get very much business support, business teaching, anything like that. So I started to see a business mentor and then was invited to go and work with the business mentor and actually found it really interesting, really exciting. I love to solve problems, whether that's a client's problem of, you know, I need a piece of jewelry, I don't know what it is, or if it's a business's problem of help, I'm hemorrhaging sales and I don't know why. So it just made sense to combine my two interests, really. In terms of the mentorship that I provide, it's, it's primarily one-on-one. For the jewellers, it covers everything from costing and pricing, um, marketing, market positioning, client profiling, production issues, introduction to various people in the trade. Because obviously once I finished my degree, I realised that there's a big disconnect between people who design and people who manufacture, particularly in Hatton Garden. So I spent quite a lot of time doing trade courses and meeting people and becoming much more connected with the trade side of things. So a lot of the time I try and act as a bridge between the trades who hide upstairs in Hatton Garden and, and the businesses that come in wanting to get something made or, you know, go to a different supplier or whatever, other than the sort of ones that are most obvious. So to any graduates listening, it isn't abnormal to feel that you don't know all of this. No, no, you don't. I mean, even after 15 years of providing support, I don't know all the answers. Um, And it's an ever-changing landscape. It doesn't matter what background you've come from. It doesn't matter whether you are a trained jeweler, an apprentice jeweler, an architect turned jeweler, a retired person who's taken up silversmithing, an MBA student. 
every element of you makes your business unique and interesting and and everybody feels that they're lacking somewhere um, but that's not often is not the case at all that almost all the time that's not the case a large part of what i do is is giving people confidence in their own decisions like for me your gut feeling is almost always right and it's learning to identify what your gut feeling is and trusting your gut feeling everyone is capable of doing it it's hard scary but ultimately really rewarding if you keep in mind the reasons that you set out to do it in the first place and i find like with with everything comparing yourself to other other businesses and the way other people do things is just it's just a road to unhappiness really you've, you've got to remember that everyone is living their instagram life all the time and actually the reality is is a lot different mm -hmm. i agree Running a business is not something that for all jewelers comes natural. Could you give listeners who are thinking of starting a business or growing their business from a kitchen table some top tips and where they could go for advice and help? You mentioned the Garden Club already. Are there other ventures? Yeah, well, the Garden Club, all the information's on there and you can download a form and you can just drop in and get in touch. We're taking appointments from the 1st of June now, so come and come and have a chat with us i think that i would disagree with you on the it doesn't come naturally if you are at home and you're working from your kitchen tabletop and you also have another job you are finding the finances to start up your business whilst working another job that's budgeting if you are designing and you're pro you know and you're developing stuff that's design development that's research and development it's the way you frame things everybody is a hundred percent capable whether you like the things or understand the things is a different question from whether you are naturally able to do them because we can all do all of it we can all count to 10 we can all use a calculator i think the the most important thing when you are starting out is is to just understand you understand what it is that makes you special and you different everybody processes the information of the world in their own unique way and that's the thing that people are buying it's not necessarily this ring has a three mil square wire but this one has a 3.2 mil square wire it's not that it's the messaging behind that stuff so i think for anyone starting out be really aware of of who you are what you're doing why you're doing the message you want to portray but also think about the customer think about the person that you want to be selling to understand that person empathize with that person so there are lots and lots of challenges that, that weren't there originally there are lots and lots of competitors um, and the best way to minimize the risk of failure is is to really focus on a niche type of person and produce your messaging and your product and your branding in a way that sort of demonstrates that you see and understand and want to serve that group of people and and being successful in that will bring people from from other niches as well you've got to think about what you want out of it what makes you happy and who are you doing it for because you can make the most beautiful thing in the world but if you're sat at home making 900 pairs of beautiful earrings that's not a successful product because you're not selling that product If you are making jewelry because that's what makes you happy, don't put pressure on yourself to try and make a massive business if that's not the part that's bringing you joy. Honesty is probably really up there as well in terms of what you need to be, to be doing and to be thinking about.
you know like be honest with yourself what are your technical capabilities what are your true strengths what what areas do you want support in what areas do you do you tend to ignore because you don't like them i think to be a successful business owner you've got to be pretty self-aware really um which is an interesting journey and do you mean with self-aware, it doesn't necessarily mean, right, that we have to know it all ourselves and be able to do everything ourselves. If we know what we are good at, can we try and find people to help us to supplement the skills that we might not have? Oh, always, always. I'm a great believer in farm it out, farm everything out. I can make, I have made for 20 years, but I don't if I can help it. Because I'm also on the board of the Hatton Garden Bid, the Business Improvement District, as the jewellery small business representative, because I am really passionate that connecting the businesses together and creating a network and, and using people who set really well, polish really well, engrave really well, is, is vital to actually elevate your product, increase your productivity, increase your capacity, strengthen the sector as a whole. Um, it's it's all about connections and contact. I think having an understanding of those things is really, really important, um, but not necessarily the technical skill to do them yourself. But when I'm talking about being self-aware, I'm talking genuinely about why do I like this? Why have I picked that? Why do I always go for this color palette? What is it about these stones I really like? And understanding what you are in essence so that you never lose sight of that because this is a very competitive world you're going into. So you need to be quite clear about who you are so you don't lose sight of that when, when coming up against lots of other businesses who all have their own agenda and their own customer base. And say you've just graduated, you've got this collection of pieces that you probably made to your own brief. It's the pieces that you like, but you need to find whether there's a customer for it. What are the best tips on starting out with that journey? The harder journey. The easiest journey is to design something with someone in mind because there are 7.4 billion people in the world. There's a lot of people to go through to get them to buy your collection. I would be looking again at why you are doing what you're doing, going all the way back to that. What is the message that this is sending out? What is the type of customer that would respond to this message? What kind of brands do I respond to? What kind of visuals do I like? Who else is responding to those? And try and work backwards in a way. And again, it's very much like, don't think about it. It's like, I like that, I like that, I like that. Don't try and do a competitor analysis going, I've made gold pearl earrings. I will only look at gold pearl earrings. You have to be like, I've made gold pearl earrings that are for men. And they are for men that like mountain climbing. This is very, very niche. So then you've got different ways of actually starting to research who, who else is in your field, who else is, is um, serving that particular customer base. You're, you're looking for your brand adjacencies. Now, these are brands that complement yours, but do not compete with yours. I've had clients come in and said, oh, that everybody that buys from me above a certain price point wears this type of jacket. You're like, that's very interesting. It's, it's about looking at all the things that connect the obvious, because it's the in-between connections where you're going to really get ahead. You've got to understand what's out there in the market in general. And you've got to have an idea about the sort of person that you want to sell this to. And it might be that that first collection needs some alteration, which is totally fine. I, I don't think there is anything wrong with, you know, doing iterations of a product until you get it right. We are still in lockdown. 
lives drastically changed from one day to the next. Those jewelers out there who run a business and have been thrown a curveball, that few so coming, would you have some advice for them to keep going? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the etch-a-sketch end of normality. Everything has been shaken up like a crazy milkshake. And I don't think that you need to put the pressure on yourself to try and rebalance immediately. Um, you have to look after yourself, number one. I've been trying to get a lot of my clients to stop, to think, why are they still doing this? You know, what is it about what they're doing that makes them happy? What gives them joy? And this goes back to the self-awareness again. It's a perfect time to reset. Look at, look at your working patterns and say, actually, do you know what? I'm worried, but the way I was doing things is not sustainable. I want to have children. I want to move out of London. How can I do these things? You know, how can I start to restructure my business? There's some fantastic opportunity right now. Amazing opportunity right now. We are no longer geographically limited on our commissions. People are way more comfortable about talking online. They're way more comfortable about purchasing online. There are loads of things like that that can be done, but don't feel like you should be doing stuff. I mean, if you want to take up basket weaving, speak eight languages and learn to do the splits, great. If you want to sit at home eating pancakes in your pajamas, also great. It's not about who is doing more than you. Don't do that comparison thing. It's not helpful. I'm at home trying to keep two businesses going. My husband has three businesses. We have two small children that we also have to teach. You know, I had all these grand plans before lockdown. I stockpiled paint because I'm like, I'm going to paint my furniture. I'm going to organize this, you know, and most days I'm lucky if I get an hour or two of work in after doing everything else. And that's okay. You know, things are going to be strange for a while. And I think it's, it, it's a great time to sort of really rethink and say, do you know what? I want to change everything or I love everything how it is. I just need to be working on my strategy, looking at what my customers are saying. How can I help them right now? How can I connect with them in a non-sales way? Also, I would just get up in the morning, go to bed at night, go outside. Even if it's just a walk up the street and back again every day, just to get that fresh air, change your clothes every morning, get dressed. It really helps. Just staying in your clothes, you know, you have to give yourself some semblance of routine. In some ways, we're really lucky because we have the kids, so they get up and then we have to like have fights about iPads and Cocoa Pops and God knows what else. So we, we have a, a regime it's sort of kind of enforced upon us in that way. But it's really helpful because it gives us routine. Differentiate between the weekends and the week. Try and give yourself a couple of hours where you do just read a book. Just don't feel guilty. You've got to do what you've got to do to survive right now. No one has been in this situation before. And yes, there's always that person that's done like 9,000 things and made, you know, crocheted 5 million rainbows. And, you know, it's great. It's great. But they are in a different situation to you. You know, there is no point to any of this if, if it doesn't help you. I mean, I'm a freelancer myself and have many contacts in the industry who work on multiple jobs or have either started their own business. And what comes up often is guilt, feeling guilty. Uh, you mentioned it just now. What would you say to those jewelers on how to stop feeling guilty? Have you got any tips for that? 
I think people feel guilt about everything, really. As a business owner, you know, you're, you're not working enough, you're working too much. As a parent, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it right, you're doing too much, too little. You're consuming too much, but you're not helping the economy, you're doing this, you know. There is guilt all around us, and you have to kind of realise that most of it's just noise. It's just noise. It's not a time to beat yourself up. It's a time to sit and realize what you need as a, as a human. I hope that we come out of this as a better species. Yes, there has been some horrible stuff, but there are so many like community support groups. I mean, I, I run one for the streets around here, you know, buying food for the elderly and the vulnerable and, you know, lots of volunteering happening and much more community spirit, connecting with your neighbours, you know, connecting with the outside, with nature. There's so many things that are just as important as work. One of the reasons that freelancers and, and small business owners feel guilty is because they do everything. And the reality is when you're doing everything, it's not a full-time job. It's like four full-time jobs. And at some point you have to realise you are human and you can't do everything all the time. It's been a lesson that's taken me a really long time to learn. And I've, I've had to adjust. And I say this to my clients as well, you have to adjust to your own circadian rhythms. There are days when I'm like, I'm not gonna do anything today. My brain doesn't wanna do anything. So I'm not gonna do anything and I'm not gonna feel guilty about it. Because actually forcing myself to do something is, going to do more harm than good because I'm just going to end up with a negative association with whatever it is. If I force myself to design when I'm not creative, I'm never going to want to design. If I build something up too much and say, I must get all my accounts done right now, I'm not going to do it. If I say, do you know what? I'm going to do 10 minutes of it and then I'm going to go and eat a pineapple. Don't eat a whole pineapple, it'll rot your mouth. But you know, like I'm going to go and do something else now. Um, that's okay. There is too much emphasis and too much pressure on success, success, growth, 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 which is not sustainable. And it's, it's mentally not sustainable either. I mean, I have businesses that I work with, you know, businesses in Hatton Garden who are like, I don't want to keep expanding. And I'm like, well, who, who says you have to? Who says you have to? You can stop at a size. That means that you can say no to jobs and take a month off if that's what you want. It's very much about understanding what you want. And if you want to work all the time, do it. If you don't want to work all the time, don't. It's okay. I hereby write everybody a note to say you can take off as much time as you like whenever you need. Guilt is a pointless emotion. It really is. It doesn't serve any purpose. You're far better off putting that energy into taking time to enjoy you know, you're not going to be on your deathbed going, damn, I wish I'd spent that extra day cleaning out my level. There are a lot of pressures to beat the algorithm. You should be posting every day on Instagram. But as a young designer, or if you've just started your own business, taking on all of those tasks can be really overwhelming. So you need to be smart about it. This is where you need to come and see somebody to help you um, particularly at the beginning, you don't know what is and isn't important and you don't know how to schedule things. I'm a great believer in get a plan. Like if you have to post every day, oh, look, here's my water bottle, click, hashtag water. You're like, 
that doesn't doesn't do anything. Um, your head's not going to fall off if you don't post on Instagram. It's fine. Don't worry about it. What you should be doing is thinking about the strategy of your business, what you want your Instagram to be doing, and spend half a day scheduling posts for a month. Get a scheduler. Get a free one. Get a paid for one that does proper scheduling and tagging and la 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 la. Do it all in one go. Off it's done. If your brain is not the kind of brain that enjoys repetitive tasks every day and feels pressure with that, then find a way to do it that doesn't feel pressured. It's the same with selling. If you find the hard sell really difficult, find a way to sell that is in your voice. People often tell me they hate social and it's like because they have this concept of, oh, well, you know, hashtag you, like, blah, 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 blah. and it's not, it doesn't have to be like that. I personally think a good Instagram is an equal balance of product, inspiration, and information. So it's not just, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here it is in green, buy it, buy it, buy it. It's like, hey guys, look at this pair. She's really cool. I think she's cool because of this. And then other people who go, hey, I like pairs too. You know, you're connecting on a different level. And yes, there are things, you know, algorithm beating and la, 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 la. You know, it's, it's a numbers game. It's a money game. Um, so whilst there is some element to that, I think you don't have to be coming up with something amazing and original and a product every day. More so than ever, they want to know the person, they want to know the mind that this product is coming from, more than they want to know the product. That's the one thing that you have that no one else has. That's the one thing you can't replicate, which is why when people have someone take over their social account, it's never quite the same because it's not, not the brain that people are connecting with. Anything like that, you know, do a, do a SWOT analysis, do a pest analysis. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are you good at? What are you bad at? How can you mitigate the things that you aren't so great at? You know, your, your standard traditional SWOT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Do those. Do them often. There are so many factors that are involved when you, when you are selling and when you are purchasing. I mean, just think about you as a consumer. You know, the, the arbitrary decisions that you make. Well, I'm not going to go out today, it's raining. Understand the factors around you are affecting your sales of your product as well. So it's not necessarily a bad Instagram post. It's just, you know, Instagram went down or everyone is freaking out or somebody famous has died. So no one's actually looking at nine o'clock. They're all reading, you know, like when Michael Jackson died and the internet crashed. Do you think, given the circumstances, people should be afraid of starting a business? No, never be afraid. Always take the plunge. You never get wet if you don't jump in. Was it somebody said to me the other day? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. There is no good time to start a business. There's no good time to have a job. There's no good time to have a baby. You know, you do these things when you want to do them. I think there are so many opportunities now. Any time of emotional turmoil, any time of political turmoil, anything like that just kicks up the most amazing art and the most amazing creativity. Owning your own business is great. It's great. It's really hard, but it's great. I think it's more important to be honest with yourself. Are you willing to change your designs to fit the market? Are you willing to put yourself in situations where you feel less comfortable, like selling? Are you willing to, 
you know, stalk journalists until you can get them to talk to you? Are you willing to do all those things? And if you are, then do it, go for it. I mean, I think you have to be very, very careful about um, the amount of money that you commit. You have to be very careful about the amount of stock that you commit. I do not recommend setting up without some kind of mentor, advisor, something just to help sense check you because that's a big area where people do fall down is they will order if they're working with a manufacturer 50 of every style which you know is 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 a very large amount and unless the research that you've done when you're setting up proves that this is a viable amount to get don't get it because you want to sell that many get it because the evidence shows that you will sell that many but absolutely, it's a great time. I mean, you know, what else are we going to do? There's this misconception, perhaps, or I don't know if it is a misconception, actually, that you should actually have a lot of things planned. You should have your logo. You should have everything decided of your business before you launch. Is that true? Or should we take small steps and, and adjust as we go along? I think that, obviously, if everything is cohesive, that's important but does it all have to be completely the finished article probably not do you have to spend thousands and thousands on a marketing campaign absolutely not but your messaging needs to be consistent your messaging and your sort of brand DNA needs to be consistent if somebody is visiting your Instagram site and then comes to your website are the tones the same is the language the same? Can you tell that it's, that it's the same person and it isn't two different people? You know, what other things as a consumer would put, what, what things would put you off purchasing? The, the big thing that I find people tend to do is they tend to um, assume that the customer owes them something. And they were like, well, you know, I don't think this is a problem, therefore why would anyone else, when if another business commits the same sin, whatever it may be, you're outraged and you won't buy from them. You know, you've got to apply your own purchasing decisions to yourself and be, be critical. I mean, I don't think that you need to spend lots of money on these things um, at all. There are like free logo design software and all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be, you know, a massive expensive campaign, but the messaging needs to be consistent and it needs to make sense with your brand. But it doesn't have to be a massive all bells, all whistles, flashing crazy you know for example you might really want to have the flashiest website that's just all image but if you go too far that way spend lots of money on lookbooks and photo shoots and then you realize that there's absolutely no text so there's no seo and your search rankings go down the toilet even though in the words of the great oscar wilde in matters of grave importance style not sincerity is the vital thing i think that sometimes you need a little bit of substance and sincerity in the form of words so you can go too far the other way. You've got to think about what is it that you are selling? What is it that excites you? What do you love? How do you present that? How do you embody that? What is the messaging around that? And keep that consistent. But absolutely, you don't have to spend loads and loads and loads, but you should have a brand identity that means that people understand who you are, that people can recognize you. The trend is slightly changing again now, but the, the, the trend was very much name black copper plate text da, 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 da. i am seeing more logos again now which is nice but again you know if you've got if you've got a a friend who works in graphic design 
do a trade, make them a piece of jewelry, they'll make you the logo. My first logo was done that way. All I had to do was resize a ring, brilliant. So using people that you know and that know you is really helpful as well because they can pull things out of you that you, that you take for granted. It's really helpful before you launch a business. Who else has a name like that? Can you use the trading name? Can you get the domain? Is the Instagram handle available? Is the, you know, can you use the, the Facebook URL available? You know, all of those things. I have a terrible habit because there are certain business, you know, personal usernames and business names that I have of going onto anything, any new social site and just bagging the names. And then possibly never ever using the site again. But I'm like, if I, if I want to have something for Leonard of London, then I'm going to get it on everything. I'm going to at Leonard of London everywhere. No, you can't have it. No. Do you ever go on that site? No, but no one else can now. You know, because then you've got that consistency. You don't want to be in a situation where you've done all this branding and then you're like, oh, my web address is going to have to be, you know, the hyphen real hyphen whatever the brand name is dot org. I think there's also a massive tendency when you're setting up to just be desperate to get out there. I want to sell. I want to be out there. Blah, 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 blah. But again, the customer owes you nothing. You've got to be coherent for them to want to trust you and want to buy from you. Yes and no would be the answer to that question. Is there one sort of key mistake people make when they start a business, you think? Just one. <laughs> um, or a couple. I would say making without a client in mind. The biggest mistake that the graduates often make is, is they think that the creative world is the real world. And it's not. It's taking that creativity and that, that drive and that magic and wonder at the world and applying it properly, becoming a real designer by saying, this is, this is me, this is the world I have to go in, this is the person it's for, this is the budget they have, now I'm gonna put them together. So often when you have made that first collection at college, that's not the first commercial collection you're gonna make. It's more of a realization of, the, it's, it's the, the product version of your self-awareness. So I would say that, and I would say ordering too many things, too many samples, making too much. A lot of people who start end up having failures. How do you deal with failure? There is no such thing really as fail, I don't think. It's the building blocks of what make you a business and a business person. You know, they're only a failure if you don't learn from it. If you look at the sort of enterprise model in the U.S., Failure is, is expected, um, and there have been some spectacular failures in the U.S. with tens of hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's part of the game. Everyone's done stupid things. Yeah, we don't have enough time on this podcast to go into all the stupid things I've done. But there is, there is no fail. Don't be afraid to fail, you know. Don't, don't be afraid of, of making something that might not work. Apple well, the iPad when it first came out didn't work. The Nespresso machine when it first came out didn't work. And look at them now. It's not a bad thing. You've got to leave the baggage of it behind, but you've got to keep the learning moment from it. You can minimize your risk of failure by having lots of people around you that can help you and advise you, but we don't know the future. You know, the only sureties in life are death and taxes. Everything else is a guess. You can just make a better guess. And the fact that you, you can't guarantee anything should make you feel better when, when you don't get it quite right. 
you know, and it's brilliant. We, we are in jewellery. If you get it wrong, you melt it down and you make it into something else. It's not like clothing where once you've cut the fabric, you've cut the fabric. We are very lucky that we can infinitely reuse stuff. And, you know, just don't, don't chuck all your eggs in the one basket. Test things, research things. The biggest failure for me would be, you know, researching, asking for advice and then not taking that advice. Doing a focus group and everyone saying, oh, don't do it this size, it's too heavy. And then going ahead and making it anyway because you want to and then nobody buys it because it's too heavy. You know, it's, it's listening. You know, there's lots of people that you imagine just know everything. They're living their Instagram life. They, they don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. So, yeah, I, I don't think failure is a bad thing. I think there's too much stigma around it. Sally, we've spoken a lot about individual change, but do you think there is also a need for a collective approach to change, for example, in Hatton Garden, in response to the current circumstances? Um, yeah, is the short answer to that question. Everyone's got to update everywhere. Everyone has to change. Um, everyone needed to change before this everyone is going to have to change at a much faster rate now um it it doesn't do anything for anyone if you assume that the customer is there for you you know the biggest thing that you have to understand is you are there to serve a customer need that's it and if you're not serving a customer's needs you are not a successful business and the key thing now is to understand what people need. What do they need right now? You know, a really interesting example is um, ethical jewellery, traceability. I was one of the first fair trade gold license holders in the world. It's something that, that is very, very important and is very important to a younger generation of consumer. Understanding these kind of things will enable Hatton Garden in general to adapt and will enable them to actually meet the customer need as opposed to telling the customer what they want. I think that there's definitely opportunities for more connected working, more collaborative working. And I think, you know, Hatton Garden is, is an amazing place. It's amazing. There is nowhere like it in the world. Nowhere. It is bonkers and just full of amazing characters and creativity beautiful stuff and you know it needs it needs uplifting and celebrating and protecting but it also needs some help to enable it to survive and I think one of the positives that's come out of this not very positive situation is that people are seeing that they can work from home they can connect with customers they don't have to always be doing the same thing all the time and obviously for some trades that's not going to work you know if you're a polisher you're not going to like do that in your garden. But for a lot of people, there are lots of ways that we can work more flexibly and more effectively. And actually, in some cases, like certainly like I found, you know, I stopped working for a while and my productivity goes up. We need to work to live, not live to work. But yeah, I mean, in terms of support for Houghton Garden, that's what I'm there for. It's what the Garden Club is there for. Yes, tell us a little bit more about the Garden Club. Sally, how can you get involved? So anybody that is in the jewellery trade, any aspect of the trade, be that a manufacturer, retailer, designer, supplier, dealer, whatever, 
who is based in or regularly uses businesses based in Hatton Garden. So it is funded by Camden Council because um, they have done a lot over the last decade in terms of helping to preserve the only vertical production uh, manufacturing cluster in London and one of the oldest creative hubs in London. I mean, it's been going since, well, Henry VIII in some form or other. So it's, it's a magical, wonderful place. And, and yeah, my, my services are there free to those who meet the criteria, all the criteria is on the website. And I work with people on a one-to-one -one basis usually. Initially, we do a diagnostic and sort of look at where I think the business needs support. The, the business owner will tell me where they think they need support. And then um, we come up with a plan of work. You are given tasks to complete, research to do before we meet again. And you get told off if it's not done because you're wasting my time and your own time. It can, it can go at the pace that you need it to go at. So at the moment, pace is slowed for a lot of people. You know, it has to work for you but it is usually majority one-on-one -on -one consultancy sessions that anything from one to two hours, depending on what we're doing. Um, the follow-up work, depending on where we are, can, can be anything from an hour to a month. And, you know, if you have the time now, is a really good time to do some of those kind of general strategy things because you don't allow yourself the time. I, I find that most people, when I work with them, they know what they need to do. They just need someone to, to make them do it. Um, we have regular networking sessions, possibly have to do some virtual ones where we just go to the pub. It's just the trade, the designers meeting in a, in a low pressure social environment where they can just get to know one another and not have to feel any hard sell. It's much more relaxed. And then the last element that we're hoping to bring in towards the end of this year is access to industry experts. So if you are looking to employ someone and we can work uh, with an HR person to draft you some employment contracts or if you are wanting to register a design then we could get a lawyer to help you with that that kind of stuff as well so that's that's like the the next phase once we're back back to normal but yeah any stage of business whether you've been going five minutes 500 years or haven't even started yet so if you're thinking of working with a mentor what should you prepare to speak to them and what questions should you ask to find out if they're the right fit if you're thinking about working with someone obviously you need to be looking at other sort of support programs around that you can use you want to be talking to people in the industry a really really good way of doing anything is just network 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 people hate that word when i graduated um the goldsmiths company used to do a series of talks and i used to just go to these on my own just to meet people if there was any drinks going anywhere i'd be like yeah i'll come Ooh, hello who are you oh amazing and personal recommendations are really great if you're going to go sort of the mentoring not unofficial but you know like not through a program then that's the best way of doing it i think is, is just to sort of get an idea of the person you want someone that you can for want of a better word vibe with someone that understands you and that is is going to push you and call you out when you don't do what you're supposed to. And I think it's, it's kind of down to the, to the mentor, what they want to see, depending on, you know, what, what I'm doing with somebody, I may want to see their work. I may not. It depends, you know, it might not be relevant at the initial stage. It might be more relevant later on. I think it's really important for you to know what it is you want from a mentor. 
what do you want to um, gain from the experience? Because if you're lucky enough to have a really successful, busy industry person, then you need to you need to make sure that you're not wasting their time and your time by not getting the best out of them. It's the same as when you do any form of research. You know, what are your goals? I need to find someone to give me industry connections, or I I need to better understand the luxury goods market, or I need to generally just get more confidence as a business owner because all of those things are going to require people that, that excel in different ways so yeah i mean i definitely talking to people joining up to newsletters you know anything going click subscribe anywhere you can go and meet people particularly if you're new and you're working from home is very isolating i'm seeing a lot of online talks and webinars and things start joining them start getting on mailing lists um, at some point, I think, because one of the big parts of the garden club is we have networking events, which are networking in the old school sense where we go to the pub, the end. <laughs> it's, it's about connection. Once you, get, once you get in, people are more than willing to help. They really are. As long as you're asking the right questions of the right people. And also, you, you've got to make sure that the advice you're being given is relevant to your business. I'll often find that People are given conflicting advice from different people depending on their viewpoints. So you've, you've got to be quite aware of, of that kind of stuff as well when you're looking for a mentor. Like, are they very traditional and does that suit you? Are they experienced in alternative materials? Are they working in, in the area of jewellery that you want to work in? I mean, jewellery is massive, massive. And it's just got so many facets and so many of them are self-defined as well that it's like really hard to... To you know, you go, oh yes, well, let me design a fine jewelry, and you're like, what? That could be a number of things, depending on what your definition of designer is, depending on what your definition of fine is, even depending on what your definition of jewelry is. I am very much all about what happens right in the gut, and what happens right in someone else's gut, and how they connect do you think it's really relevant to get some experience elsewhere first or do you think that really depends on the circumstances i kind of think it depends on who you are as a person i kind of did and i kind of didn't i think working somewhere else whilst you're setting up is a really good thing to do you know while i was setting up i had a number of different jobs you know retail but i think that any other job you do you can have some element of it that will be relevant to your business setup obviously if you are um, working in a gallery or if you're working you know in, in some way related to the trade then you are going to get more trade relevant experience but if you're working in in retail you're getting really really useful experience whether that's jewelry retail or other retail you know you can you can pull an element from anywhere working in a small workshop or for a small business is really useful it gives you an insight into the kind of crazy day-to-day -day of what it's really like but then for others ignorance is bliss so but i think you know there are there are definitely mistakes that people make that they could they could avoid if they work somewhere else for a little while one of them being being realistic the chances are you're not going to be the next Stephen webster straight out of the gate you're just not because there won't be any more of those types of businesses because that that world doesn't exist anymore it, it's good to sort of look at what success actually looks like and and what it looks like for you so try working in a small place and a large place 
try working with somebody that just has a showroom versus retail so that you understand what all these elements are. And there's no reason why you can't be setting up at the same time. So when we return to work and our daily lives as jewelers, do you think the industry and maybe more importantly, the retail environment will have changed? 100%. Nothing's ever going to be the same. Even if we try and make it the same, it's not going to be the same. I think some, some ways it's going to be like it never changed. And in other ways, it's going to be so different that we won't really comprehend it for a few years. I mean, this is the, this is the kind of thing that people will be studying in history lessons hundreds of years in the future. I mean, it's, from that perspective, it's, it's kind of exciting. And, and we get a chance to redefine how we want to do things going forward. What it means for the high street, I think, you know, there are definitely some really good ways that you can keep the high street alive. Lots of people are doing really interesting stuff online. Getting people to connect with you as an individual or you as a business or you as a brand or, you know, like garden as, a, as, a, as an entire entity, for example, actually builds a lot more positive feeling so that when we are able to go back out again, there is a really good chance that you are going to get a lot of footfall coming to you. Um, I'm seeing an uptick in engagement rings. I'm seeing an uptick in web sales. The initial panic is, is settling. But I think, you know, there's, there's definitely some really interesting ways that, that places will develop and move forward. I mean, I'd love to see a lot more kind of hat and garden community stuff. I'd love to see a lot more kind of connection between retail and trade and, and the public and how we can kind of inform and support the artisans as, as, as well as, as the client. But yeah, I mean... Hatton Garden's open, you know, the, the jewellers are back. Some of them never left, feels like. The interesting challenge is how do you get the work to them now? I would love to see some kind of system whereby people can come and have a face-to-face -face with their CAD designer if they need to, but only if they need to. Being a lot cleverer about the use of our time and the use of our space and the use of our resources, I think, is, is something that would be really, really exciting you know, and, and hopefully lead to a much more collaborative way of doing things. We have just been informed that we have been awarded a grant as part of the Innovate UK Fast Start Fund. And this is a fund to help businesses and industries and sectors um, deal with corona and, and what life is going to be like post-corona. So we're really excited that we actually won this. And unlike the Garden Club, it is pan-UK, and it's sort of complementary to what we do at the Garden Club. So the idea is to help businesses connect that are not necessarily in any of the jewellery hubs, so not necessarily in the jewellery quarter or in Hatton Garden. Um, so we are going to be working on an online platform that's completely secure, trade only, so that anyone who is a stone dealer, um, an engraver, a mounter, wherever they are in the country can have a profile and they can then be able to say, right, I am based in Hatton Garden, but I, I live in Godalming and I will be in Hatton Garden these days and in this place these days. So you can search by your local area, by the type of service. You know, if we go into lockdown again or whatever happens, um, it might be that supply of some things is, is scarcer. So, you know, casters will be able to say live what they have. And um, so you can then say, right, I need a caster who's in the north of England that has nine carat red. 
and then you'll be able to search and find them. It's very much in the embryonic stages. It actually launches on Monday. So what we're doing in the first instance is we're taking Jewel Base online. So we have www.jewelbase.org. So there's a little bit of information there now. Over the next week or two, we will be putting up a form of, of some description to find out from you, the trade, what would be helpful to have on this platform. And um, one of the key things that I am very um, strict about is that it is a secure platform because I know that there is a lot of issues with people not wanting to say where they are and what they have, which are completely valid. But the idea of this will be, it will be membership. It will be trade only. So we're still in the sort of process of working out exactly what the vetting process will be for that, but it probably will have to be recommendation or something like that so that the general public can't find, you know, someone who's got a stash of diamonds in the garden shed. So the idea is that if we are ever in a, in a situation like this again, and the chances are we are going to be in a situation like this again, because we don't know how long this is going to go on for. So, you know, you can update your profile daily, hourly, whatever you want to do. So if you are, if your workload has gone down, then you can, you know, update your post and say you're there for, you know, some jobbing work or, you know, if your polisher is shut, you know, who else can you go to? Um, I also kind of want it to be aligning with the, the kind of flexible working thing that we were talking about and kind of being able to sort of allow people a means to work from home when they need to without feeling like they're losing out which is you know one of the big issues I think with with this kind of way of life it's very much about helping people that that can be flexible also you know we don't know what's going to happen in terms of rents and people being able to have a presence in that garden and if two two people can have a presence and by means of this kind of network they can connect and actually share the costs of an office and only be in two days and two days or three days and two days or whatever and then that makes sort of more remote working much more tenable for everybody and it also will hopefully enable some of the people who aren't connected directly into these hubs to either be able to connect to those sort of manufacturing areas or be able to compete with those manufacturing areas and strengthen the industry as a whole. I mean, we're not trying to take away from the jewelry court or hat garden at all. Putting something in place to enable hat garden to keep going and expand its reach and connect better with the rest of the country. So it's quite exciting. Um, but that's that's the only part that we have at the moment, like I say, hasn't started yet, but check out jewelbase.org. You have been in lockdown also. What have you been doing? You've already told us a little bit, but what have you been doing to keep busy? I have been teaching my children, which is an experience. We have been going on lots of walks. I've been taking lots of pictures of things as they're growing which I'm really, I'm really into my garden at the moment. So this year is the first year I've successfully managed to germinate many different types of vegetables and they're actually at a point where they're viable things. So before I would, you know, sow a load of seeds and then I forget to water them and they die because I was at work. I have not been doing that much work because my life has changed quite dramatically with having to teach two children and I don't need the extra stress on top so I made the decision to just sort of go I will work when my brain will allow me to work and actually having not done that much work for sort of the last six weeks I've been reading a lot of articles seeing what's going on keeping in touch with people you know I've built two websites but you know other than that I haven't really done very much but you know trying to find a new normal I've 
definitely spent a lot of time just kind of thinking about how I work and when I work and why I work and just sort of going with it really. Oh, great. Thank you. When walking around the high street, it's clear that we're currently faced with an extraordinary set of circumstances. That we don't feel a beat and positive all the time is inevitable, but challenges come and go. By being kind to ourselves and celebrating maybe small successes, we can continue to make progress. You are not alone. And if any of you feel overwhelmed, it's okay and normal. And know that there is a lot of information out there. Think about the Hatton Garden Club. There's lots of people out there, many brilliant charities also to support you with a range of advice and guidance. Reach out to others and above all else, keep going. I'm confident we'll get through this. I would just like to for now say thank you so much to Sally Leonard. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Next week, I'll be joined by another guest. So watch this space to find out who it is. For now, this was Sophie Boons for the lockdown series of the BAJ podcast titled Staying Planned, Organized and Positive in Conversation with Sally Leonard. I wish you a good weekend and thank you for listening.